Welcome to the Innovation in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guest today is Keith Salisbury, the Senior Director of U.S. Federal Sales for Pivotal. Keith, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Before we get started, let me set some context for our discussion. Over the last four or five years, agencies have, I'll say, fallen in love with the startup culture. Starting with the U.S. Digital Service at the White House, GSA's 18F organizations, agencies have been trying to change their approach to buying and developing technology. Whether it's the Departments of Defense, Homeland Security, or Veterans Affairs, and many, many others who have set up digital offices, and even a few have established those digital offices on the West Coast to try to, what I'll say, tap into that vibe. USDS even developed a digital services playbook detailing 13 steps to improve citizen services. These range from using agile and iterative practices to using data to drive decisions to deploying a flexible hosting environment. One big success story is from the Social Security Administration. Rob Klopp, the former chief information officer at SSA, wrote in a 2016 blog that agencies need to think about modern software so it's architected to run over a stack that has been distributed across a cluster of servers. He says it has to be designed so that each layer of that stack, so that each business application can be distributed and deployed and scaled across those clusters of servers. Now, what does all that mean and and how can agencies really be successful? Few have been, SSA is one of those few that have, but many others are really what I'll call the beginning stages. And Keith, that's where you come in. You're going to talk to us about how agencies can build that modern software. So once again, my guest is Keith Salisbury, the Senior Director of U.S. Federal Sales for Pivotal. Now, I'm going to start at the beginning. We usually don't start like this because... The, the companies that we've had on the program before, people, it's a, their household names. I'm going to have to say, I'm not sure Pivotal is a household name. So talk a little bit about what the company is, how you got started, and, and what you guys do. Pivotal is a startup out of Silicon Valley. And our focus, our mission is to help large enterprises think big Fortune 500, Fortune 50 kind of companies or big government agencies kind of transform the way they build modern software and to do so at startup speed. So my role is to help the government be able to, to be more effective with software and to achieve a higher velocity doing that. So build a startup speed. What's, what's that mean? I mean, that's, that's a nice buzzword, if you will. But talk a little bit about how you guys see what startup speed is. Everybody loves to talk about the cloud era and everything's going on in the, in, in the cloud. But if you look at these cloud native companies that are starting to be really disruptive, what makes them so is their ability to build powerful software that creates a compelling experience or enables them to change a business model and disrupt any given industry. And we've seen that with the countless apps we now turn to to do things that we used to, used to happen in fundamentally different ways. The big distinction in terms of startup speed is folks like that in Silicon Valley, they could have an idea today and turn that into working software that touches a customer or touches the market by the end of the week, if not the end of the day. Most of your big traditional enterprises, if we've got a good idea, it might be nine months, a year, two years before our idea becomes working software that touches our end users. So that delta between the two is really a big distinction. And our, our role is to help big enterprises move more quickly at leveraging software to do whatever it is they, they do. You make a very interesting point about this idea of startup speed. I think one of the challenges with that is, is the government really ready for that? Are they really ready to get into that market? So talk mm-hmm. a little bit about, if you will, what's it need to build modern ways? The leading question is, does the government really need to? Does the government need to build software like a Silicon Valley startup? I personally believe the answer is absolutely yes. I think the fiscal realities have clearly kicked in, and I think modern software holds the greatest potential for government agencies to transform what they do and how they do it in a powerful way to deliver on on their mission. 
So I think it does hold that great potential. Things that stand in the way in government, there's an endless list of, of things that have created this calcified, slow-moving world in which government agencies do this type of stuff. The way they develop their requirements, the way they build programmatics around any given uh, initiative, the way they do procurement or acquisition, the way they do program management. There's all kinds of things that stand in the way from going fast. But we found a a handful of pioneers in government that are really leading the way at moving faster with software to change the way their given agency performs their mission. And it's been very fulfilling to work with them. One of the things you bring up is those endless reasons why you can't, but there's so many reasons why you should. And, And I guess it goes back to that idea of can they, should they be like the private sector? Should they not be like the private sector? But before we kind of go down that path, do you get a sense that the government understands that they need to change, that they need to build the software differently? Absolutely. In the in the last two weeks, we've seen the uh, the leadership at the Air Force and the Army at the highest level step up publicly and say, hey, we need to transform the way and the speed at which we build modern software in, able, in order to enable the warfighter. That's powerful when you see the DOD leadership like that recognizing, uh, which I think is a reality, software Uh, is a strategic asset. And um, it it has that capabilities uh, going forward uh, to be central to to what you do. And the government has learned over time that's, you know, software and software development was really something they outsourced. But if software is going to be a strategic asset for how you do your mission going forward, that's really a capability you need to to deeply understand so that you can provide vision and direction for it and provide uh, oversight and guidance for how it happens in your agency. So I see a lot of agencies at the most senior leadership level really leaning in to, to rediscovering this ability around building and running modern software effectively to, to support their mission. Both said the Air Force and Army have stepped up. One of the things that I'm seeing throughout the government is this recognition from not just this administration, but really the last administration too, about where and how important IT is. And I think it all comes back to software. We've gotten past this hardware. We have to get the new box or the new router, everything is software now. And I think the building of the modern software and understanding why it's important to build in a modern way, I think that's really resonating across the government. And, and, and I think your example is a good one of the Army and the, and the Air Force secretaries going, hey, this is important. What made the change? I mean, is it just the security breaches or what made the change to, to get people to really recognize this? I would point to a couple of things. Number one is I think the realities have set in and there's a recognition, the the battlefield of tomorrow, you need to show up software enabled if you expect to win. And that maybe wasn't the case in the past. And if our military, again, has an idea that will enable the warfighter to do what they do more effectively, but it will be a matter of years before that idea manifests itself into working software in the hands of the warfighter that's forward deployed, that's not moving at startup speed that's not going to enable our warfighters to show up on the battlefield software enabled. That's an unacceptable outcome. So, but today, that is reality in many cases. So I think there's recognition across DOD. We need to be able to move much, much faster turning good ideas into software that gets into the hands of the warfighter. So there's a recognition of that, that shift that has happened in the world. The second thing is there's been some powerful examples in DOD where they've seen it become reality. We happen to to be fortunate enough to work with one such initiative with the Air Force in the Central Command AOR, where they had very real mission problems and how they did command and control and all the logistics around all the the air operations they would conduct in that region of the world. And solving those some of those problems were literally taking years 
to manifest themselves into software solutions. So the previous Secretary of Defense, Ash Carter, took one of those problems and handed it to his Silicon Valley outpost, DIDUX, and said, hey, try something new here. See if there's a different way, a different method that would produce a different outcome on a different timeline. And we were able to work in partnership with them, and we produced an, a complete mission application from scratch, nothing but an idea, to working software that was running halfway around the world on classified networks, supporting the warfighter for that given mission area. And we did it in less than 120 days. And it changed the way they performed that function in the Air Operations Center in a powerful way. But what's even more powerful is those operators started providing feedback, which we then turned into new features that the Air Force is now releasing on the order of about 20 new features every week going out to that forward deployed uh, airman halfway around the world. That is the Air Force moving at startup speed. Prior to that, it was literally years before new software capability would reach the hands of the warfighter. Now it's happening 20 times a week. That's a powerful transformation. So I think they've seen in real time it is possible. And the modernization and mission outcomes are powerful when you get it right. Those are two really great examples because I think people can recognize when you're getting software to a warfighter in 120 days, that, that's pretty incredible. But those, to me, if based on my reporting, I think are maybe the outliers. Uh, is the government really moving in this direction and, and are they ready for it? Or is, is industry just so far ahead of government when we talk about Uber or Netflix or whomever? There's a lot of things that hold the government back in terms of policy, in terms of regulation, in terms of procurement, in terms of oversight, in terms of governance. And those are all things that are in place for good reason. They've built up over decades, so there's a lot of it. And our government, uh, by and large, has become calcified around it. And that absolutely stands in their way of building high software velocity or moving at startup speed. But if software is a strategic asset, is if software is how your agency is going to deliver on your mission effectively in this modern era, uh, that has to change. And we've seen several leaders step up and drive change to allow their agency to be able to do it. And make no mistake about it, the work we do with government agencies, it's the exact same way we work with startups in Silicon Valley and the exact same way we work with Fortune 50 enterprises. What I mean is we're not teaching a government light version of modern software development. No, we're, we're all in. We're building software side by side with the Air Force and the Department of Homeland Security the same way we're doing it with JPMC and Liberty Mutual and Allstate and the same way we're doing it with the most leading edge startups in Silicon Valley. The government can do it. It just requires a lot of leadership to be forward thinking and work to get a lot of the policies and obstacles out of the way. And when you worked with DIUX, did those policies and obstacles get out of the way because it was coming from Ash Carter? He said, make this happen. Or was this was this still a lot of hoops you had to jump through? Mm -hmm. But because of that leadership, they, those hoops maybe were obstacles got out of your way a little bit more quickly. I mean, you were able to work through them more quickly. Absolutely. Having the Secretary of Defense kind of lean into it jump-started it and helped that particular initiative get off to a fast start. I will say all of the initial activity we did on the initial demonstration project, DIUX played by all the rules. They used the GSA schedule. They followed everything in the federal acquisition regulations. They didn't play any trump card to be, do, be able to do some magic quickly. And then more importantly, I think DIUX recognized they can't scale and do this forever for everybody. It's all about enablement. So they worked hand-in-hand hand with the existing program office for that particular mission system to enable them to do it. So it wasn't like we were doing it, DIUX was doing something special on the side out in Silicon Valley. DIUX worked with the program office and really set the conditions for that program office 
to transform how it delivered against its program requirements. And now we enjoy a really good uh, synergistic working relationship with both. And in many ways, the digital services offices that are, again, popping up VA, SBA, EPA, a bunch of agencies, that's what they're mm-hmm. there for. It's not to come in and do for any particular program or any particular project, but to really educate and help people understand, train what goes into this modern approach, whether it's agile or DevOps or whatever you want to, you know, whatever mm-hmm. buzzword we want to use. Is that message getting across? Because I think, as you mentioned, DIUX, they just got them going and now they're producing new capabilities very often over at the Air Force. Do you see that that knowledge transfer happening within other agencies, or is this maybe special for DoD? I absolutely have seen that, and that's central to our way of working. When we work on an, a, a project to solve a problem by building great software, uh, we don't do it for our clients. We do it side-by-side side with our clients. Our clients come to Pivotal. They work in Pivotal Labs, and we build it together because our, our, our focus is to enable them to be able to do it on their own and not be dependent on me or anybody else in the industrial base. It's very important for us to enable our clients in that way. And I think that holds true to the theme here. If software is a strategic asset for how you're going to run your business or your agency is going to conduct your mission going forward, then you need to have some capacity yourself for building modern software. So that enablement piece is really, really important for us. And we've seen that in, in government. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can start talking about maybe a little bit deeper into the technology side of the discussion. You're listening to Innovation in Government, show sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Pivotal Cloud Foundry provides a cloud-native platform that accelerates application development and is used by over half of the Fortune 500 and world's most influential government organizations to move at startup speeds. Government agencies can execute their digital transformation strategies to rapidly respond to agency mission demands. Using Pivotal's modern approach and technology, the U.S. Air Force built critical software for the warfighter in only 120 days and saved over $200 million. Tune in on Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. for the Innovation in Government show sponsored by Kerasoft. Learn from industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Innovation in Government examines a wide range of topics and evaluates their payoff. Cybersecurity, big data, mobility, cloud computing, and more. Innovation in Government, Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. on Federal News Radio. And 1500 AM. Search Innovation in Government. Welcome back. You're listening to the Innovation in Government show sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Keith Salisbury, the Senior Director of U.S. Federal Sales for Pivotal. Now, Keith, before break, we're talking a little bit about this movement toward this modern software approach, how agencies are doing, why they're doing it. What are you seeing from agencies? We talked a little bit about the training piece, mm-hmm. but are agencies really moving in that direction yet? Or that mm-hmm. I, I know every agency is different, so it's hard to put a blanket. But there has been this opportunity and this push from the White House over the last four, five, six years. Is that starting to take effect? What U.S. Digital Services and what ATF have has done, we think, is fantastic. It's a, they've provided an outstanding framework. They've provided tremendous vision and guidance to chart the course that the government can take towards modern software development. And they've gone that extra step of dropping in folks, whether it's the presidential innovation fellows or otherwise, into key agencies to kind of be catalysts for change around modern software development in various agencies. The challenge is, as we talked about before, what we've observed is there's so much calcified process and resistance that needs to be overcome in a government agency. What we have seen be most effective in getting an agency to really move is when they've 
been able to carve off a thin slice of a business problem or a mission problem and have the right leadership and direction over it and actually produce an outcome, actually produce uh, a deliverable. And when that kind of subset of the business has been able to deliver a new capability with modern software on a, in a period of time that was never before imaginable in that agency, it starts to create a gravitational pull where everybody says, wait, how did that happen? That should have taken two years to build that. How did they get it in 10 weeks? Show me that again. And then that gravitational pull kind of pulls the agency and wakes the leadership up and starts to build an enduring capability that grows in the agency and produce more and more valuable mission outcomes. It sounds so simple, right? Little wins, start small, show people it can work, and then it will gain some momentum. Yet, as you said, there's so many calcified, I'll use your word, obstacles in government Mm -hmm. that you have to almost chip it away at it. Is that why now the technology behind it, the cloud, agile, DevOps, all that is starting to really gain some momentum as well? Cloud infrastructure holds the potential and absolutely is delivering a lot of flexibility and alternatives for federal agencies. There's still acquisition friction uh, that's a big problem, but cloud infrastructure, whether it's commercially provided off-premise or cloud infrastructure provided on-premise in in the agency's data centers is readily available. I think reducing the friction so the business and the developers can access it uh, in an on-demand, self-service, fully automated way is is very, very important. But cloud infrastructure is there to give lots of lots of flexibility. The challenge with modern software development is as an agency builds software that advances their mission, they need to be able to, one, build that software in a, in a frictionless way so that their application development talent is focused on the business logic or the mission logic of the, so- of the software that they're building rather than spending all their time kind of cobbling together the infrastructure they need in order to build software. And developers need a friction-free way to push their code once they build it from development environments to testing environments to the production environments where it's actually going to get in the hands of an end user. That needs to be friction-free, and today that's a high-friction process in government. And then the government needs to be able to do this and change their mind. They need to be able to build something great on one particular cloud, Uh, infrastructure and then be able to move it in a friction-free way to a a different cloud when their mission demands change, when the cloud economics change, when the security requirements change. Those are things they need to be thinking about as part of their cloud strategy. It's interesting you bring up the frictionless way and and we're going to get into security in a minute. Is is acquisition the biggest part, the, the biggest issue that causes friction today Or again, am I going to jump to security now? (laughs) No, acquisition is a huge challenge. I'm trying to think of the last... Part part of this is because of the way agencies are appropriated, and that's a whole different discussion, I know. But this idea that, okay, you have your pot of money, now use it, and tell us what you're going to use it for and develop your business case. And what they really want is to say, we're going to put a little bit of money here and see how that goes, and we'll put a little more money there and see how it goes, and put a little more money versus the old way, which was, here's $100 million, Pivotal, go do your thing. Mm-hmm. And come back to us in five years with, with whatever you developed, and we'll not like it, probably. For good reason. The government has rules and policies around, if we're going to obligate taxpayer money and give it to somebody or something, uh, we need to be very clear on what the requirement is, what the expectation is, and then hold you to task for delivering against that. And when you start doing that at the scale of our government, it becomes a very big bureaucratic nightmare. That's a requirements-driven process that lines up really well with the waterfall way of building software, which doesn't cut it any longer. If you flip over to the the Silicon Valley startup side of the equation, that's not how it works. It's a 
agile at its core is hey we've got an we've got a business problem we think we've got a really clear idea of the best way to solve that problem let's build the thinnest possible slice of functionality to solve the most important aspect of that problem first and let's turn that into working software. Let's get it in the hands of an actual end user. Let's get them to provide feedback. Yep, that's what we wanted or knew that missed the mark and have that inform our next stage of development. And then let's iterate like that again and again and again, multiple times a day, multiple times a week. And every step informs the next step. That doesn't line up well with all the requirements you need to generate before you can obligate taxpayer money. So the acquisition process and the programmatic process does absolutely stand in the way. But again, I've I've seen leadership in our government absolutely work within the confines of the FAR to put in place contract vehicles and mechanisms to allow this to happen. But a way to make progress in this would be to make that much more widespread and broadly understood and broadly available for the rest of the government. I was going to say earlier, I can't remember the last customer meeting where it got to the point where they really wanted to do this, but oh my gosh, how are we going to get through acquisition? It's like, wait a minute, that's that's your world. You're supposed to be telling us how to do that. We, we have no idea. So it is a challenge. All right, I want to move us on to that next yeah. big roadblock, which is security. One of the big things that we're seeing across government is how do you build the security piece, automate it and build it into the agile, the DevOps. So that, that must be not just a big challenge, but also a big piece of this puzzle. The security threat is real and critically important. So it's something we can never take our eye off the ball on. That said, let's just push the I believe button for a second and assume we can all build phenomenal software and we can build it really, really fast. If it then takes me one to two years to accredit that software before I can put it into production, I haven't accomplished anything. So the way that we accredit software before it goes into production or we give it authority to operate, today takes a long time. We have to pay lots of people a fair amount of money to do lots of documentation on that software that may or may not actually create a more secure software. That's a pretty inefficient process that, again, absolutely stands in the way of moving at startup speed. I think there's modern technology that, that holds extraordinary potential to change that paradigm. Cloud infrastructure is ubiquitous and there's Platform technology, platform technology designed to accelerate how you build, deploy, and run modern applications that can, in a structured way, make all of the IT infrastructure immutable from a security perspective in terms of your application code. So if my platform strategy makes everything from the application code all the way down through the operating systems immutable, of the 2,000 or so security controls I've got to meet in order to use my software or give my software authority to operate, that platform can eliminate north of 80% of those controls. So now I have a much smaller problem space to solve in terms of accrediting the software. The next phase that we are excited to see evolve over time is when you're building software today, there's modern technologies around continuous integration and continuous deployment of software. So if those continuous integration capabilities are pulling the software together, uh, they absolutely can automatically generate the documentation necessary for all the security controls for the application code itself. So now if I'm automating the code, the controls of the software application itself, and I've eliminated the need to certify all the things in the infrastructure, that's how you can impress accreditation timelines in a, in a meaningful way. When you talk about affect the code and in, in terms of the security accreditation. When I've talked to, for instance, USCIS at Homeland Security or Patent and Trademark Office, it's automatic and it's happening in real time, meaning they put a code to production, it's certified, accredited right away. 
And, and that's the modern software piece that the agencies are missing. Because if it's taken them even a week or two or three or a month to accredit mm-hmm. software, that's a month longer than getting the capabilities out to the user. Sure. So, so you guys are talking about doing the accreditation automatically. As soon as it's ready, as soon as you hit a certain mark, it goes through that automatic process. We're talking about two things. One, using a platform strategy, a platform capability that reduces the accreditation, uh, the controls that you have to go through every time. Let me interrupt. I'm sorry. That's because the platform itself has already gone through that ATO process. So all you're looking at is the delta between what's the difference between what's right on the platform and the software. And the code itself. And then using some of the software development tooling to automate the generation of those security controls for the application code itself. That holds great potential for kind of changing the way the government accredits software uh, in, in order to ensure security, which is super, super important. Do you get a sense that agencies are more comfortable with this approach to accrediting software as they go along? Or, again, pockets, yeah. USCIS, PTO are two very important pockets, but is, is the government as a whole not quite moving that direction from what you're seeing from clients? It's kind of the classic leadership thing. I've seen where the traditional way of let me build something and when I'm done, flip it over to the fence to the information assurance folks and have them accredit it. That typically does not go so well. But in these modern approaches where, hey, let me pull somebody from the security team into my development effort from day one and have the security folks integrated into that team from the start through finish. That's where we've seen government agencies make a lot of progress kind of rethinking of new ways to ensure the software they use is not only secure, but is able to be developed and used in a, in a timeline that's much more acceptable. That's such a key point you make, bringing someone in at the beginning. We talk, yeah. Again, we talk about this all the time. It seems so easy but probably does not happen as often as it yeah. should. Uh, Keith, uh, we're almost out of time. This has been a fascinating conversation. Before I let you go, when we talk about to federal agencies and you talk about modern software development, advice that you would give to them, no no one's starting at zero, we know mm-hmm. that, but no one's also, you're, you're talking to people who maybe are just getting started. Some people have taken step one, but need to go to step two and three. What types of things would you say, keep this in mind? What are, sure. what are some some pieces of advice? I'll say three things. Number one, I think at a leadership level, you need to make a strategic decision. Is software a strategic asset to your agency or not? The Fortune 500 have spoken. They clearly realize if they're not just as good at building software as a Silicon Valley startup, they're going out of business. The ability to build great software at startup speed is absolutely a strategic asset to the organization. Leaders and government agencies need to make that decision. If the answer is yes, which I absolutely believe it is, then you need to be honest with yourself. There's only one metric that matters, cycle time. Your agency's ability to go from, I've got an idea, to the time that idea is working software in production, touching an end user, being able to being used to enable your mission with your constituent or the warfighter. Cycle time is, all you, is what you have to measure. And if that's not in days or weeks, you're not moving at startup speed. The third thing I would say is... Start small, produce a business or mission outcome that is meaningful and real, and create a gravitational pull in your agency to doing more and more things in a modern way. And over time, that the mission will shift from uh, legacy ways and legacy infrastructure to more modern ways of, of leveraging software to enable your mission. All right, very good advice, and especially the first part about making a decision, strategic or not. It's hard to argue against that. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to the Innovation and Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I've been the host, Jason Miller. I'd like to thank my guest, Keith Salisbury, the Senior Director of U.S. Federal Sales for Pivotal. Keith, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search Innovation. 
Thank you for listening to the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion can be found on demand at Federal News Radio, keyword innovation.